Today, Becca is going to be preaching um, and focusing in on Jesus as our Prince of Peace. Um, And so before I invite her up, um, we'll just prepare our hearts by hearing a couple verses from Isaiah 9. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So I'll invite Becca up to preach now. And um, we are taking communion today, so if you didn't have a chance to pick up your elements, now it's a good time to do that. Awesome. Thanks, Christine. Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, okay. We're going to pause for communion. Go, go get those elements. While you're doing this, feel free to greet your neighbor. Say hello. Tell them your favorite Christmas movie that you watched during this season. Good morning. Hello. It's good to be together. (laughs) Yeah, we just needed a pause. It's totally okay. That was awesome. It was just like, I didn't know if it's because I was preaching or right. Yeah, I don't know. Are we all leaving? We're just done. Call it right here. Yes, we're good. Well, we'll go ahead and get this started this morning. And uh, it's a joy to be with you during this part of the service. Usually, this is the time where I go upstairs with students and we cause chaos and lots of loud noise. Um, so it's good to, to be with all of you this morning here. Um, and we are in the midst of the Christmas season, the Advent season. And I don't know about you, but Josie mentioned a few of the things that hallmark the Christmas season. Maybe they're different for each of you. But for me, I love a good Christmas movie. A good Christmas movie. There's all of the classics, right? Maybe you have one that you watch every year with your family, maybe on a specific day, maybe Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or at some point throughout the Christmas season, you all sit down and watch this together. And so we have these classics, these ones that we love, that we watch every year. And we also have the cheesier side of Christmas movies, right? The Hallmark movies, maybe they're on Netflix. Right? And these follow a fairly predictable script. They also have very similar promo covers. Um, Eugene found this for me. They're all the same. Those, I think they're the same people. There's no difference there. <laughs> right? And these are the ones we watch mainly for entertainment value. I'm, I'm, maybe you don't. I don't know. Maybe you really love them, and that's great. And I hope I don't ruin this for anyone by talking about these. But they follow a fairly predictable script. It goes like this in some fashion or another. Someone or something is in trouble. 
the farm needs saving, the baker has quit just before the holiday rush, and they are in need of desperate help, right? Life has been upended into chaos. And usually this results in a long lost, maybe a strange child having to come home from the big city to their small town to help rectify this problem, to help find a solution, right? And so miraculously, just in time for Christmas, it goes like this. There's a love connection. The farm is saved. Someone learns the true meaning of Christmas. Boom, we're good. All tied up nice in a neat little bow. Sorry, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to ruin it. <laughs> right? Um, and it, I don't know about you, but I've never had a Christmas go like this. If you have, I would love to hear your story. Um, but I think we can relate a little bit to this theme of life being in chaos, of things being upended and finding ourselves in need of some help, of someone to come into our lives and make things right that have gone wrong. I think we can find a little bit of ourselves in each of these stories, cheesy as they may be, right? But I think that's why we connect with them so well. And just as that's true for each of us, it's also true for the people of Israel. And so this morning, as we continue in our preparation of this Advent season for the coming of Christ, we're going to go back into Israel's story. Christine just read a few of those verses for us from Isaiah 9. Let's recenter ourselves there um, and remind ourselves of what is happening um, in the history of Israel at this time. As some of you might know, when Isaiah is, is the prophet, when Isaiah is written, Israel is on the verge of being sent into exile, of being kicked out of their homes, taken away from all the things that are known and comfortable for them. So that's happening on one hand, and on the other hand, they're under threat from the great and mighty kingdom of Assyria, right? So there's very present trouble for the people of Israel. Life is in chaos. Um, I'm sure uh, anxiety and worry are very present for them, and their leaders have not done a great job of leading them. More often than not, their leaders, their kings, have trusted in their own wisdom and in their own abilities instead of trusting in the Lord. They're in need of some good news. And it's in this season that Isaiah is on the scene as their prophet. And the prophet, right, is the mouthpiece from God to the people of Israel. That's his job to speak the words God gives them to Israel. And it's Israel's job to listen and to hear. They're not always so good at that, but that's a story for another time. And it's this that he says, these words that we see in Isaiah 9, 6. He talks about a coming child, one who will be their wonderful counselor, their mighty God, their everlasting father, and their prince of peace. This is good news. Someone is coming to help. So when Israel hears that a prince of peace is coming, what would that have meant to them? Well, we see lots of kingly language here, right? A prince, someone who's royal, who is one of the upper leaders of their people, maybe next in line to be king. There probably would have been hope that this is actually their next king, Hezekiah, right? The hope is in the continuing Davidic line. We even hear that talked about in verse 7. 
And this, this prince is someone who is supposed to come and rule for the whole nation, bring goodness to all people, not just a select few. And so to hear that a prince of peace is coming would be good news. And this peace would have included a leader to establish them in victory, right? To keep them in their land, to allow them to live in the place that God had brought them to. It might have tangibly looked like not being sent into exile, having defeat or at least not being attacked by the kingdom of Assyria. Their, their leaders, their princes and kings are supposed to establish them and the things that God has led them to, namely this land that he has brought them to. That would have been peace for Israel. Maybe thinking about what peace looks like more broadly, it's a feeling of, or it's being whole and complete, at a point of complete and total flourishing. Shalom. I think about it now as not being at odds with anything in our lives, not being at odds with ourselves, with the people or world around us, not being at odds with God either. That is peace, right? A point of wholeness and completeness. And so it seems that Israel is being promised the one who is going to come and bring them that. And that's not what happens, or at least it's not what seems like what happens. Because years and years go by, and this ruler never comes who will bring them peace. They are sent into exile. They are cast out from their land, from their homes, from everything they know and is comfortable. There is no conquering of their enemies. And as a nation, they experience great trouble and loss. In fact, it's not for hundreds of years that we get this ruler who will come and bring peace, this prince who will come and bring peace in the birth of Jesus. And he comes in this very unexpected form of a baby who enters into the darkness and chaos of life, and he establishes a kingdom that is hallmarked by justice and righteousness. It's not as Israel imagined. He does not come and rule in earthly monarchies or, or take triumph over political enemies, but he comes in such a way that establishes lasting peace. And as we look back now over the story of scripture, we can see that Jesus is our Prince of Peace. It looks very clear to us. It would have been, wouldn't have been as clear to Israel. And this title, Prince of Peace, is not in fact just a title, but it's a reality of what we get to experience when we live life with Jesus. And how do we know this to be true? Well, I think we see it in every interaction that Jesus has throughout the Gospels. More than that, though, it's promised to us. At the end of John 16, which Sean shared with us about just a few weeks ago, Jesus says this to his disciples. He's in the very end of his upper room discourse. He's about to go to this, the cross. It's one of his final moments with them. And he says this, in this world, Oh, I skipped a part. Okay, he says, he has told them all of these things so that in him they may have peace. In the world, they're going to have trouble, but to take heart, for he has overcome the world. Jesus promises that he is greater than and more powerful than anything that can or will happen in this world. We see him give peace and back these words up when he answers our questions on identity and purpose 
like when he calls the disciples to be a part of his ministry. He brings peace whenever he meets the sick or the hurting, and he brings healing and restoration. I think I see it most in Jesus' friendship with Mary and Martha, especially when he meets them in the darkest moments of their life. They've just lost their dear brother, Lazarus. He's been in the grave. And Jesus comes, and they approach him with tremendous hurting and pain. If we've ever lost someone we love, we know what that feels like, what the deep grief and darkness can be like in our lives in those seasons. And Jesus does an incredibly powerful thing, and he raises Lazarus from the dead. He displays his power and his might that he indeed is greater than and can overcome anything we face in the world, even death. And in this, he gives us hope that that is not the final word. That is not the final thing. Death does not win. But more than that, he shows us that he is a savior who is very personable and with us always. He listens to the pain of his friends. He hears them in their anger. He walks alongside them and weeps with them over the loss of their brother. He gives them the peace of knowing that they are not alone, that they do not walk through life by themselves, but that their God, who is mighty and powerful, is with them always, and that he brings them peace. This is what Jesus brings when he comes to the earth as a baby, and it's what still is offered to each of us today. We, just as Israel did, just as we've seen in our, our fun Christmas movies, experience life, lives that are marked by trouble and chaos. There's lots of darkness to be found. We face uncertainty about our futures, what grades we might get on our report cards at the end of each semester, who we might marry, what jobs we might have, if our families and the people we love will be okay, what's going to happen to each of them. We experience loss, rejection, incredible unease, a whole bunch of things that don't sound like peace to me. And we, just as Israel did, are in need of someone who can enter into the darkness and chaos of life and make all of those things right, who sees us at odds with everything in our lives, enters into it, and makes a way for restoration to take place, makes a way for peace to happen. As we read to the next verse in Isaiah 9, it's stated that this Prince of Peace will bring a peace that has no end. But his kingdom and the throne that he will sit on will be marked by justice and righteousness, both now and forever. I don't know what life looks like for each of you right now, but my world is not filled with unending peace or continual justice and righteousness. We need the one who will come and make us whole, who will make all in our world right. We long for the day when the words of Revelation 21.3 are true, that our God will be with us, that he will wipe away every tear from our eye, that there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain where the tension we face today will disappear and be no more because we are with our God. So if that is what is to come, if that is what we long and wait for, what do we do in the meantime? Is there no peace to be found until we are either with Jesus in heaven or he has come again? 
I don't think so. I think we get something in the meantime. For Christ has already come once. He lived on, on, on this earth. We, we talked about some of the things he did in his ministry, and at the end of that time, he went to the cross. He was crucified, taking the weight of all of our sin upon himself. And then three days later, he rose from the grave, and he ascended into heaven, and he conquered sin and death. And through that act, he made a way for peace to one day exist in every facet of our lives. And until that day comes, he sent his spirit to be with us now, to be with us always, reminding us of the love and goodness of God and bringing peace to our lives, even in the midst of the chaos we face. Here on this earth, we get momentary glimpses of the fullness of the peace that is to come. It could be the joy of a child's laughter, a good conversation with someone we love, getting to the end of a hard semester that we worked really hard for, being in the spot where the things that are, we are passionate about and give us life also meet the needs of the world around us. For me, recently, they've looked like a lot of very encouraging um, and loving text messages from people in my life, and a couple days I got to spend with my sister that were very unexpected, but offered a much-needed break. I don't know what they look like for you, but I think in each of those things, those are the, the, that is the peace that Jesus brings for each of us. Those moments when life is whole when we feel complete, where we are not at odds within our relationships or with ourselves or even with God. You may also be in a season where it seems there is no peace to be found, that God has left and abandoned you, and we don't know where it might come from, where that peace might happen in our lives. But we are promised that those seasons don't last for forever. That is not the end of our story or the final word. And so it's my hope that as we get small, small glimpses now of the peace that is to come, that we get to live with the hope of the fullness that our Prince of Peace will bring us. Well, a child has been born, a son has been given, bringing light into the darkness, bringing unending and overwhelming peace. So may you go into the world with joy, knowing that he is come, he is with us now, and he will come again. Amen.